Yeah, yeah. What's really good? This is the Sanchez Show, hosted by yours truly, Eric Sanchez. This is the sports podcast, influenced by hip-hop. Every now and then, we sprinkle in some pop culture. And of course, we're going to get into some of these social issues that we're facing right now. Uh, but with that being said, make sure you follow me on all social media platforms. It's Legend in Two Games, completely spelled out. That's L-E-G-E-N-D-I-N-T-W-O-G-A-M-E-S. Hope everybody's doing well as we continue to quarantine. Got some good sports topics to get into today. Uh, but before we do, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already, go back and listen to previous episodes. Um, also, uh, check us out on YouTube. Again, it's Legend in Two Games. If you got any ideas for sports content, sports debates, discussions we should be having, uh, send them in. Contact me, man. I'll definitely get into it. Um, but with that being said, like I said, we, we got a couple of uh, sports topics we definitely need to get into today, as well as follow up on this Bubba Wallace story. The uh, For those of you that don't know or, or aren't familiar, uh, Bubba Wallace is the only African-American driver on the NASCAR circuit. Uh, he recently experienced a very unfortunate um, incident. It's a light way of putting it. Um, where there was a noose discovered in the garage that he and his pit crew were using for their last race. Um, just to give you guys some backstory on it as well, uh, NASCAR drivers, when they arrive at the track or when they're preparing for the race, they are assigned a garage. And in this particular garage, his team noticed that there was a noose, a um, whole rope, end of it tied in a noose that was used to open and close the latch on a garage. Um, FBI was alerted by NASCAR and, and ultimately investigated and concluded that that rope had been hanging there for nine months and they didn't view it as a hate crime or anything specifically targeted uh, towards Bubba Wallace. And I got to say, I, I call bullshit on it completely uh, part of my language, but I, that's just the only word to use for it that I can think of right now. Um, we understand what that symbolizes. We understand um, why it's used. Um, at this point, it's used to try to intimidate, but we also know uh, its historical meaning. And for F for the FBI to say it was just hanging there for nine months and it wasn't targeted to Bubba Wallace, again, is bullshit. If it was a swastika uh, painted on the inside of that um, garage, I'm sure not only would it have been reported nine months ago, it would have been removed, it would have been painted over already. Uh, secondly, uh, for those that, you know, may, may not be familiar with the story or, or haven't seen any updates on it. Um, it was noticed that within 10 other garages, there was also a rope used to open and close the latch of the garage. But coincidentally, only in the garage that Bub uh, Bubba Wallace's crew was working out of was there a noose tied at the end of that rope. So in every other instance, it was just a standard rope open and close the latch, pull down, pull, push up, whatever the case may be. But for whatever reason, in his particular garage, this one was tied like a noose at the end. So I don't think that's coincidental. Um, we understand that NASCAR has a history of being, quote unquote, a white sport. Uh, they received a lot of pushback when they started banning Confederate flags at the uh, racetracks. Uh, Bubba Wallace started receiving criticism when he wore a I Can't Breathe t-shirt and talked about continuing to push the Black Lives Matter movement forward. Um, also, let's not overlook that Dustin Skinner, who's the son of a former NASCAR driver, openly um, came out and said and tweeted, I should say. It wasn't an interview. It was a tweet uh, where he says he feels Bubba Wallace is not only ruining the sport that he grew up loving, but that Bubba Wallace, Bubba Wallace should have been uh, had his neck tied up in a noose and dragged around the track several times. 
So let's not overlook the challenges that Bubba Wallace is facing in the sport. And let's not try to minimize uh, the fact that there was a noose hanging in that garage. Also, for some people out there who want to try to criticize Bubba Wallace as if he's trying to stir up a controversy, he wasn't the one who alerted NASCAR. It was someone else in his pit crew. NASCAR then alerted the FBI. Bubba Wallace just wants the same thing that everybody else wants, equality, and to be treated like a human being, not to try to be intimidated or threatened because he's speaking up on police brutality and systemic injustices um, and systemic racism within our country. So Bubba Wallace, I take my hat off to you. Uh, continue to fight the good fight. I know there are a lot of people out there who will not agree with this message, but it is what it is. You know, we got to continue to talk about it until things start to change. And I do strongly feel, even though I'm not a fan of NASCAR, I do strongly feel that Bubba Wallace is facing challenges that no other athlete has ever had to uh, face or overcome over the last 30 years. Um, I know there were a lot of great athletes in the 60s who fought uh, for civil rights and were right there front line during the civil rights movement. Um, but what he's facing right now in the sport he's in is probably the toughest challenge we've seen over the last 30 years. Um, so, again, I salute you. I will continue to support you on my platform and any other platform I'm on. And hopefully we uh, don't have to have this discussion again um, in regards to Bubba Wallace and, and NASCAR. But we'll ultimately see, man. This lighten things up, though. It is the weekend. It's Friday, June 26, 2020. We got some really good sports topics. We're going to keep it short and sweet, just like we did in the first episode as well. We're not going to drag it out too long. Um, let's get into some NBA talk, though, man. Yesterday, uh, 22-year vet Vince Carter officially retired and is walking away from the NBA. Um, shout outs to him. He is a first battle Hall of Famer, and I could have the debate with anybody on this. Um, I know he never played for or won an NBA championship. Um, I know he was never league MVP. However, he was rookie of the year. He was a multiple-time All-Star. His impact on the game is still felt to this day. He also redefined who he was as a player. Um, again, you don't play 22 years and, and only, be, uh, only be known as a one-trick pony. Um, there are a lot of people who know him as a high flyer, but the second half of his career, he became a lethal three-point shooter. And unfortunately, he never got an opportunity to play for a championship contender. Um, but that does not diminish his impact on the game. For those who have never seen it, and I posted it yesterday on my social media platforms, his two his his uh, two thousand NBA slam dunk performance is the greatest performance during an NBA All Star weekend, hands down, not even debatable. All right, what he did in that slam dunk competition in his second year in the league, um, with everything that had 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 come before him in a slam dunk competition. We got to remember that the years leading up to him being in there, and we're talking after the Michael Jordan uh, slam dunk championships, the dunk contest had become boring. There was a real lack of creativity. Um, there, there was no flair to it. It, it became very blah. It, it was one of the events that was kind of holding on to its past but didn't have anything in the present. Vince Carter changed that. Vince Carter's performance in that dunk contest. And let's not overlook the contest itself, because the contest itself, I think, was just one of the best. When you when you look at the dunks that Tracy McGrady and Steve Francis um, displayed during that competition. And then what Vince did and then to find out later on that Vince uh, admitted some of those dunks he had never even tried. He just kind of came up with them on the fly in the moment. Uh, he didn't even warm up in, in a recent ESPN. um 
you know, story that featured him and, and talked about the dunk contest, he said, you know, he was late getting to the, to the arena that day. He didn't get a chance to practice really anything. And so he kind of went, went on the fly and said, uh, you know, there's a couple of things I want to try and I'm just going to try them right now. And not only did he do it in front of a, you know, a packed arena of people that were waiting to see what he had, he did it on the first try. It didn't require a second or third attempt. It was first try. It's done. So Vince, Vince changed the game on a lot of different levels. He really saved basketball in Canada. The Toronto Raptors would not have had the opportunity to win a championship last year if not for the work that Vince Carter did uh, in the late 90s and the early 2000s there. And there are some people who try to criticize and say he quit on the team or he gave up on the franchise. I don't agree with those thoughts. Um, Vince Carter and the organization had issues that they needed to work through. Um, and ultimately, he he kind of used his power and his leverage to try to get up out of there in time. Um, I also believe that it was deeper than just Vince not wanting to be in Toronto. Uh, Tracy McGrady in a recent interview hinted at when he left to go to Orlando uh, in 2001, that it really was about getting away from the organization and that, you know, it, it just wasn't going to work out any longer. Um, and so I think Vince had reached that point as well. The supporting cast around him wasn't as strong. Um, he was carrying a team and he was starting to, you know, deal with a little, some little ticky tack knee injuries and foot injuries and, he had to. He needed a change of scenery, and that's what happened. So, ultimately, Vince Carter, 22 year vet. Again, he was the 1998 Rookie of the Year, the 2000 NBA Slam Dunk champion, multiple time All Star. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer, um, and I look forward to that announcement five years from now. Uh, also, shout out to this year's Hall of Fame class. It is definitely uh, the most high profile and probably the greatest class going in. Kobe, um, RIP to the legend, of course. Tim Duncan, and then. Uh, Kevin Garnett um, and also staying on some NBA man I I feel really positive about this news and, and maybe this is just the optimism in me but the Knicks bringing on William Wesley aka Worldwide West as a VP of basketball um, I think it's a great move and and, and shout out to Stephon Marbury I, I saw your uh your, your IG post. It is funny. And and I respect your opinion on it because obviously you've been around the game and you know more about it than I do. But uh, I do like World Wide West for this role. I think you've got to connect uh, the people who are in the know. you got to connect the people that are closest to these players. And you got to somehow get them within your front office. And I think the Knicks have done that by bringing in Leon Rose, World Wide West. Um, I posted about this a few months ago when, when uh, Leon Rose was officially hired. You got to get the guys who have the ears of the players, and and both these guys have that. And West, uh, Worldwide West is known as the great connector within the NBA. He's a guy who has the respect of all of these high-level players. So to have him in your front office and know that guys will not only listen to what he has to say, but at least and and then also listen to what the Nick organization is doing, I think is very powerful. So we got to see how it plays out. But again, the optis, optimist in me thinks this is going to work out well. Um, will they be able to sign all the top free agents? No, of course not. Um, is this going to help them drafting? We got to see, you know, can they put together the right scouting department? I will give them credit. They also brought, brought on uh, Brock Aller, who had worked with the Cavs, and he's well known as a as a capologist and a guy who really has an in-depth understanding of how the cap works and then also how to maneuver contracts within the cap. So we got to see how it plays out. They still got to scout and draft well. Um, I've been vocal in, in, in saying that the Knicks' history of drafting has been bad, to say the least. 
However, I do give them credit for getting it right with R.J. Barrett and with Mitchell Robinson. Um, they got to do it again this year. But having a guy like World Wide West on your staff is definitely going to help you in those summertime meetings when you sit down with the marquee guys. You know, again, Friday, June 26th. Make sure you follow me on all social media platforms. We're going to get into a little NFL and then we'll wrap it up, man. Um, you guys have a great weekend. But before we get into the weekend, again, we got this NFL talk. Uh, follow me on all social media platforms, though. I, I lost my train of thought there for a second. Uh, Legend of Two Games, L-E-G-E-N-D-I-N-T-W-O-G-A-M-E-S. Um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, check me out. Like I said, shoot me a like, shoot me a comment. Uh, let me know any content or, or debates you want to have with me platforms always open um but yeah let's wrap it up with some nfl talk um the nfl it's tough right now they've they've officially canceled their hall of fame game which takes place in early august and it's normally the kickoff to their preseason um they're still stating that they're going to stay on course to start their season uh first week in september as they normally do uh however right now i'm a little skeptical because if you don't have the preseason start on time, then it's going to push back the start of your regular season. And now the cancellation of the Hall of Fame game may be more about canceling the actual ceremony and the festivities um, of, you know, the fans being in Canton and, you know, the the enshrinement and induction ceremony and kind of eliminating that group of people there. But I, I have a feeling that they're canceling it because they haven't quite figured out how they want to move forward with playing these games. Um, I think it's a little alarming and, and I, and I just have a feeling the season could be delayed, um, for the players, this might be a best case scenario. Um, for years, the players have been, uh, trying to fight to either lose one of these preseason games and eliminate the games. And instead of playing four preseason games every year, you maybe only play three. Um, so the players, this may work out well for them in reserve and, and, in regards to uh, preserving their body, but for the whole as a league, the delay of the Hall of Fame game only only leads me to believe that we're going to push back the start of the preseason a few weeks, then the NFL season gets pushed back a few weeks, um, and then at that point it gets interesting. You know, do you play a 14-game schedule as opposed to a 16-game schedule? Um, you know, do you eliminate these Thursday night games and, and just purely do Sunday and Monday uh, you know, a lot of questions right now still need to be answered. Uh, but for what we do know, the Hall of Fame game is canceled and we've got to see how it impacts the rest of the preseason and eventually the start of the regular season. Um, and then also Jamal Adams. I talked about him the other day. He's adamant that he wants out. Uh, his defensive coordinator right now is supporting him and saying he does deserve a new contract. This situation looks like it might start to get ugly. Um, I like Jamal Adams a lot. There's some rumors circulating that the 49ers are making a strong push to try to acquire him. Um, I don't know if they if they will be willing to give up the draft assets it's going to take while also paying him a new contract. Got to keep in mind, they just traded away DeForest Buckner this offseason, who was a star defensive lineman for them uh, because they didn't feel comfortable paying him. You know, they, they, they have to figure out what they're going to do with the rest of their roster. And so I don't know if they're going to want to give up the draft capital for Adams and then give him a new contract. Um, but it is definitely an interesting landing spot for him. But we got to keep an eye on that. And uh, hopefully, as I want him to stay in New York. I'm not a Jets fan, but I think he is one of the marquee players in this league. Again, as I've said before, he's already an all-pro in this league. He's three years into his career. He's already an all-pro. Uh, he's one of the best safeties in the game, one of the best defensive players in the game. 
And um, for the Jets' sake, I hope they figure it out. But we'll, we'll keep watching and keep you guys updated on it. Again, this is episode two of The Sanchez Show. Uh, subscribe to the pod. Shoot me a like. Shoot me a comment. Shoot me an idea of any content you want to hear discussed on the show, man. Like I said, we're going to keep pumping out episodes until we get sports back. We're about a, about a month away from the restart of the NBA season, which we hope holds up right now because we understand more cases of COVID are popping up every day. But with that being said, man, we out of here. It's The Sanchez Show.